Welcome to Stories of Terra. My name is Ravenhood, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Terra by Riot Games. The League of Legends community has crafted an incredible universe filled with mystical mountains and some rock-solid champs. Each week, we're going to jump into one of Riot Games' universe and narrate something from the world of Terra. Today, if you haven't already guessed it, we're going to hit up Malphite, Shard of the Monolith, and, bonus, Be Still Thy Heart, O Captain Flowers, it's your boy, Skarnar, the Crystal Vanguard. All right, let's get started here with the Shard of the Monolith, the one, the only, Malphite. Make sure you take Predator Boots and stack full AP, because that's how you stay in iron, like me. I think I'm actually in bronze, but you know what, why not? All right, so, a massive creature of living stone, Malphite struggles to impose blessed order on a chaotic world. Birthed as a servitor shard of an otherworldly obelisk known only as the Monolith, he used his tremendous elemental strength to maintain and protect his progenitor, but ultimately failed. The only survival of the destruction that followed, Malphite now endures Runeterra's soft folk and their fluid temperaments, while struggling to find a new role worthy of the last of his kind. All right, this is going to be really exciting because both Malphite and our other champion have stories in addition to their biographies, so we're going to get a lot of goodies today. So let's hear a little bit about Malphite. For more than two millennia, Shirima dominated the known world, an empire that reigned over countless peoples without challenge and without threat. Until the day Ikathia fell. From the moment the Void tore its way into the material realm, the armies of Shirima faced an enemy that could not only lay their grand empire low, but one that seemed to grow stronger the more they fought it. The corruption spread rapidly from Akathia's ruins, boiling over the land and beneath the oceans, before its hideous tendrils reached to the southernmost jungles of Ishtal. Netzuk of the Ascended Host was an Ishtali elemental mage of colossal power and almost unrivaled arrogance. He went before the Emperor, pledging to create a weapon powerful enough to take the fight to the void and eradicate it at the source of its original eruption. After months of inhuman labor, Netzuk revealed the monolith, a floating fortress of living stone maintained by the greatest elemental mages and its ramparts manned by his fellow Ishtali god-warriors. The size of a city itself, the monolith glided titanically toward the wastelands of Akathia, the lightning crackling from its magical inhibitors fusing the sands to glass beneath it. Netzuk and his superweapon arrived at their destination. 
to face once more the howling infinite darkness of the abyssal realm and the hordes of void-born monstrosities it had created. The battle dragged into weeks. Its violence was of a scale and intensity never before witnessed in Runeterra. Sorcery enough to raise entire civilizations or render whole continents into naught but a memory was unleashed upon the void. The darkness retaliated in kind. Its hideous energies gouged deep wounds into the living stone of the monolith, whose surfaces became pocked and seared with unnatural malphite from the Ishtali for bad stone and leaving mineral-like scars. The fortress was pushed to the very limits of its design, struggling to self-repair and re-knit the weakened superstructure. But even the incredible magics that held it aloft had a breaking point. As Netzuk fought to rally his ascended brethren for one last desperate charge, the unthinkable happened. Sagging for an instant, the monolith crashed down to earth, cleaving through the bedrock of Akathia and opening the void beneath to the skies. Much of the fortress was lost within that gaping maw, vanishing into the silent nothingness beyond. The rest rained down as great ruins, littering a landscape already blackened by the terrible conflict that had been cut so abruptly short. Only a single ascended survived. Netzuk hauled himself from the wreckage, choking on the ashes of what was meant to be his greatest triumph, now his greatest folly, and fled for his life. In defiance of all worldly reason, some disparate fragments of the monolith endured, still imbued with something like magical life, the far-flung shards struggled to heal, to reform the whole to which they had once belonged. But the void's endless hunger leached away at them, rendering them as little more than inert shapes clawing feebly in the dust. However, against all that had been lost, a single shard remained. Buried deep beneath the surface, forgotten even by those that dwelt in the abyss, it slowly gathered in strength. It lived, until at last it awakened after uncounted centuries and realized it was alone. In all the centuries since that dark day, Malphite, the last shard of the monolith, has become something of a legend in Runeterra. It's reputedly been sighted everywhere, from Targon to Zaun, heard sometimes as a tectonic roar in the deepest caverns, and sometimes as a quiet voice humming to itself, that it might still remember the sounds of the world it once knew. Despite the enormous span of its existence, the overwhelming drive enkindled by Netzuk's creation of the monolith has not wavered. Now, Malphite knows it must soon rise to meet the resurgent darkness it once battled, as the void awakens to threaten all of Runeterra once more. All right. I'm really excited for this. Uh, it's not often the two champs that we pick both have stories. So if you go check out the League of Legends universe uh, on the website, 
you're going to see that there's always the champion. They've got the little like blurb about them. And then they've got their biography, which is what we just checked out for Malphite. But then they sometimes have like a really neat story. And these are ones that have been created by folks in Riot, by folks in the community. And they're probably some of my favorite stuff that we get on here. Uh, this particular one starring Malphite is entitled Roots of a Poisoned Tree, and it's by Graham McNeil. He'd you a say on a square, grunted Hewlett, looking over his shoulder. Was big teams taken? Well, we heard you were a good assayer, Shurai translated, but we were sorely mistaken. Seven years since she'd come to Zahn, but the miner's strange argot still took her a moment to parse. Say to Oisea we need no pilty assay, continued Hewlett. She not savvy with Zahn rock like in we is. They has done sunk as in a first team. I assure you, Chief Elliot, I've delved mines everywhere from Shirima to Zorn, said Shurai. I know this rock as well as you. So you sayin', grunted Hewlett as they entered the gallery chamber at the end of the shaft. But rock here, not be likin' you say. Dust-smeared miners sat next to chem drills, pneuma picks, and crates of hexplosives. Every one of them ought to be attacking the rock in search of the hexite seam she'd promised Baron Grime was here. To see them idle really railed against her work ethic. Hewlett lifted the chem lamp to illuminate the rock at the end of the chamber. At first, Shurai wasn't sure what she was seeing. Zonite strata was most often crushed sedimentary limestone interspersed with pockets of metamorphic rock wrought by intense and not so long ago heat and pressure. This? This was something else entirely. Shurai snatched the lamp and walked the length of the gallery. She pulled off her glove and ran her fingertips over the wall, pitted and warmed to the touch with a curious umber hue. Huh. Like something she'd expect to find in her native Shirima. Ah, this makes no sense, she said. This wasn't here yesterday. I tried telling you, replied Hewlett. We drill on yesterday just like in you say. Come back on a first bell and see this. Huh. Well, whatever this is, the Baron isn't paying you to sit around doing nothing. Blast through it! Hewlett grinned. So we fixing a layout explosive, yeah? Yes, agreed Shurai. I wouldn't do that if I were you. The voice boomed from all around them, a shockwave in the air, each word sounding as though as it had been formed by grinding tectonic plates. The miners took to their heels, but Shurai flattened herself against the side of the wall of the chamber and pulled her helmet tightly down to her head. The voice sounded like it belonged to something titanic, Cracks spread across the ceiling of the gallery. She looked up in time to see the pitted rock wall move. It shifted, grinding as it reshaped itself. Shurai watched in amazement as it formed two deep craters that looked like closed eyes and projecting a crag that could be a nose. 
Dust poured from a curved and jagged chasm that looked horribly like a vast mouth. The face filled the wall before her, fully 30 feet across and twice that high. Aziz Bones! If this is its head, how big is the rest of its body? The craters of its eyes opened with a grinding sound that reminded her of the time she'd seen that wandering weaver girl perform wonders on the road to Kenethet. Shurai met the gaze of the colossal face, its eyes a liquid yellow, gem-like material. Ha, huh, quartz, she thought. Not natural in this region. Oh, this rock is infested said the voice, and Shurai pressed her hands against her ears at its deafening volume. Oh, creatures move within it, beautiful in their own way, but chaotic. You should not break this rock. It will end badly for you. The eyes blinked, and pebbles fell from their rocky lids. Um... Are you the mountain spirit or something? She asked. The brow of the face creased with a groaning rumble. No, at least I don't think so. I think I was part of one, once. So much chaos in this world makes it hard to remember everything. Ah, so... So what are you? she asked. Ah, what indeed, it said. The mine shaft fixed as the face sighed mournfully. Oh, a shard of a greater whole, a servant of order seeking purpose. Call me Malphite. Loose shale cascaded from cracks in the walls of the tunnel, and the timber supports groaned as they were subjected to stresses they were never built to endure. Shurai didn't like the look of the split lines on the seam above her head. They were ambitious, eager to race onwards. Could you stop moving? I think you're going to collapse the wave. I think you're going to collapse the cave. Oh, sorry. You said the rock was, uh, infested? Asked Shurai. With what? Things that should not be. Creatures that live only to consume. Shurai felt her heart race. Growing up in the shadow of Lost Ecathia, she knew of creatures that matched such a description. I, I know them, she said. But, but they only dwell in the deserts of the southern continent. Once, perhaps, but now they tread the crust of the world like the roots of a poisoned tree. Shurai looked uneasily at the ground. The rock face chuckled, and more shards of stone fell from the roof. <laughs> Not to worry. I have them trapped within my body. I will crush these ones. But more will come, so be wary of delving too deep. 
The glow of the creature's eyes faded as its heavy lids closed and the tunnel began to shake. You should go now, said the rock face. Hewlett appeared behind Shurai and took hold of her with his chem-powered arm. We gotta skedaddle, eh? he said. We linger, cave be crushing us. Shurai nodded, backing away from the gallery. I'll uh, tell Baron Grind that uh, this scene was played out. Hewlett grinned. Maybe you essay on a square after all. All right, I'm not going to lie. I tried like three voices for Shurai in that one, and I just kind of landed on my Aussie. Uh, Australian, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. I had like, um, I had a couple other ones, but I don't like that version of my voice play. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that one. We're going to take a quick break here and be back in like one minute after we hear a word from our sponsor. Uh, it's actually how I'm making this particular podcast. So it's kind of cool. Check them out. And then we'll be right back with... Yes, be still thy heart, Captain Flowers. Skarner, the Crystal Vanguard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now it's time for Skarner. We are one. We cannot be shattered. I feel like Malphite and Skarner have the same voice, but that's fine. One of the Brackern, Skarner is an immense crystalline scorpion from a hidden valley in Sharima. Known for their great wisdom and deep connection to magic, the Brackern's bodies are fused with powerful life crystals, which hold the living thoughts and memories of their ancestors. In an age long past, they entered hibernation to avoid destruction. But recent threatening events have roused Skarner, and he now strives to protect his dormant kin from those who would harm them. All right. So let's get Skarner's biography down. <clears throat> Skarner, the Crystal Vanguard. Long before the rise of Shurima's great empire, the remote northwestern valleys were home to an age-old race known as the Brackern. These noble creatures were quite unlike any other. While individually they may have seemed primitive and aggressive, their arachnoid bodies held a wondrous secret. They existed as custodians of a truly ancient gestalt consciousness, perhaps one of the very oldest in Runeterra. Each Brackern was host to a single magical crystal, which retained their memories, their hopes and dreams, and everything that made them who they were. After the body's death, the core of the crystal was buried with great reverence in the deepest valleys. There they waited for new, younger Brackern to inherit them, and take up the mantle of all of those who had come before. So it was. 
Through the eternal harmony of their crystal's song, the Brackern had all but achieved immortality. The one who had become known as Garner heard his crystal calling to him from somewhere beneath the earth. Day and night, he burrowed in a methodological pattern that covered the entire valley with intricate spirals, until his claws finally closed around a crystal larger than any he had seen before. Its surface was cracked and dull, yet the dim glow within it pulsed in response to his presence, and its song enveloped him. When Skarner emerged once more, the crystal was fused with his body, and he was one with all of his kin in a wordless meeting of countless minds. He could feel the magic of the material realm all around him, a deep connection to the world, like a low, constant hum that resonated through every facet of his being. Mortals, such as they were, knew and respected the Brackern, but also feared them. They would sometimes leave offerings at the entrances to the valleys, which they named things like the Crystal Scar, in their imperfect, fleshy languages. Over time, though, their focus began to turn towards conflict and conquest, and the Bracken resolved to hibernate until this danger had passed. Even if the mortal races wiped each other from existence, it would only amount to little more than a single somber note in the crystal's unending song. And so, the Brackern slept. Then, without warning, the song became a scream. Skarner was jolted awake as explosions tore through the Brackern's hiding place. The land had become parched and barren, but mortals persisted. They came armed with fire and metal, delving down beneath the surface to hack the living crystals from his sleeping kin. Skarner erupted from the sand in a frenzy. He killed many of the murderous thieves, and the rest fled in terror, leaving him to revive his dormant companions. But those Brackern, whose crystalline forms had been damaged, died moments after they woke. And most of the others could not be roused at all, so deep was the trauma to their collective psyche. He stumbled through the valleys in mourning. He was certain that even if the magics of the crystal still endured, it would quickly fade in the hands of mortals. Yet, as the sun broke over the horizon many weeks later, Skarner heard the faintest echoes calling out in his mind. These were not the soaring harmonies he had known before, but a terrified, urgent, keening, imploring him to act. He hesitated, just for a moment, knowing that if he went in search of his stolen kin, then those who still lay beneath the sands would be defenseless. But, as the cries died away, he knew he had no other choice and strode out eastward into the desert. Though Skarner's search is lonely, he sometimes hears the cold, disembodied song of a lost crystal drawing nearer, only to fade once more. It's a feeling that brings hope and anguish in equal measure, and he focuses his sorrow into unshakable determination, knowing that the survival of the Brackern race is all that matters. Gestalt Consciousness. That's cool. 
a lot of these stories is this is the first time I'm reading them. So being a person that plays D&D myself, like I'm looking for inspiration in this. And heck, if I ever want to run a fake core or a D&D in the realm of Runeterra, Gestalt, 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 Gestalt consciousness. Anyway, I got to go look that up because that's super sick. All right, we're going to jump into Skarner's story next, which is called Dream Song. All right, I'm super stoked. We're going to read Dream Song by Rayla Hyde. And yes, I did just go onto YouTube and watch a few clips of Skarner voice lines so that I can capture that beautifully unique claim to taste my stinger. Can't do it constantly, though, because uh, I think this whole thing is narrated by him, and I can't do that voice that long without wrecking my throat. So here we go. Dream Song by Rayla Hyde. The soft skins broke our slumber of a thousand spins. For many long ages, I sensed the world's dizzying movement. Stars exploded and died above me, though I did not see them. I felt the warmth of the sun flood the sand with life. With my heart pulse slowed, I curled in the dry sand to warm my body for long sleep. I thought my time below would be lonely, that the earth would not respond to my touch. But all around me were kin. I sensed them, rustling in their slumber. I listened to their silent murmurs reaching for my mind. I heard their dream songs of worlds upon worlds. A place without soft skins, without fear or pain or doubt. A place of great peace. In the sand we were all connected. We dreamed as one. Not just the singers, but all living things. The worms curling around smooth rock grains. The mole rats burrowing tunnels to bird their young. Even a family of fur-soft spiderlings who rested for one night in the deep dark. I thought the rocks would be immobile, cold, uncaring. But they too were part of us. The stones were warm and the deeper we burrowed, the closer we got to this world's womb fire. Each time the underground boiled in rage, I was there. Its tremors shook the sand until I sang back with my own anger. We are one. We are all. Your anger is as mine. I heard its gratitude in the rain time when wet drops soaked the sand and the earth grew fat and full. When the soft skins came, the ground knew only pain. Our songs became cries as we were torn and broken and scattered. I heard the sorrow song as the soft skins unearthed my kin. They tore crystal name stones from our bodies as we screamed louder than earth shakes and stole them away. I sang long into many nights, sang until my heart was empty and cold, but they did not return. 
Today, I am alone in the above place. Today, the dry wind burns my skin. With every step, the sand grinds against me in protest. I fight my urge to bury myself down, down, to go inside the earth's deep dark. I am not a port. I am part of the one, not beyond. From far away, a song of pain fear reaches me. The tone is faint, but I recognize the melody. And I send out a song of my sorrow. A note of hope rings back in my mind, clear and fine. Almost, almost. Another set of stars whirl overhead. And again, the endless blinking universe stares down at me. I feel molten heavy with the weight of above. I should be down, but I am here alone in the cold air. I have been above for three moons. A blink of an eye, a sliver of existence. A warming murmur passes silently underground. Yet, in the above place, I feel the eternity of alone. Ahead, I hear soft skins. They do not sing, they shout. Their tones scratch and clash without melody or cohesion. They burn meat flesh over a false fire. Its fat smokes the air and I choke on the stench. Why? Why would they do such a thing? The ground is plenty, plenty for all. The melody calls to me weakly. Almost! The name stone is close. Ugh, I must explain. The soft skins do not understand. Their race is but three turns young. They have only begun to dig. They have barely uncoiled the beginnings of underneath. They speak, but I have not yet heard them sing. They will learn. I sing in their minds a song of the calm land, so they feel the great beauty that awaits us when we sleep. I sing for my dead kin so that they know what they stole. The soft skins do not sing back. They do not know. The soft skins do not sing back. They do not seem to hear me, so my voice grows louder in their heads. I sing for our name stones, wrongfully taken. Bring them back, they are ours. You murdered one cluster already. Do not deny our future also. I sing a plea. Let me carry the crystals to the deep dark, so they can bind with us again. I sing to heal this tearing wound. The soft skins are still shouting to each other. One of them releases a rhythmic sound. A, a laugh? I feel as though my body is being crushed by the air. So I burrow. 
I am comforted by the weight around me. How can they not see the ruin they've caused? You are heartless. You are cruel. How could you ever sever us like this? My husk glows sky white with rage. I will not let these soft skins destroy us. I hear them scream as I erupt from the sand. I summon energy from the ground and store the power in my name stone. A soft skin throws a splinter blade and it hits my leg, shattering on my loosened shell. You sing only death. I too can sing this song. I release sun-bright energy and sharp crystals burst from the ground, impaling flesh and cracking spines. The false fire spreads in their panic. Their crude structures of twig and hide burn through the darkness, carrying soft skins into the flames. Smoke rises in an offering to the blinking stars. Soft skins run from the chaos, but I am faster. I circle around them and lash out at a straggler, slicing his middle apart with my claw. I crush another underfoot. Lifeblood stains the sands. I roar in grief. Not a song, but a cry. Your blood is not worthy to touch the one and the all. My tail lashes left and right, and I knock the soft skins down. I summon the sun bright once again, and more crystals spike from the sand to pierce flesh. So you can hear my song after all. I am crude like them. I am violence. I am death. When I dream, I see only rage. I... I am no longer worthy of the deep dark. But I cannot stop. Only one remains. The soft skin fumbles with a glowing thing of wood and metal. She means to kill me. A false sun blazes from the thing and punctures my hard shell, burning my insides. The light reflects inside my crystal, paralyzing me. I stagger in agonizing pain. I... I cannot move. I am broken. I am ended. A fading song rings in my mind. Almost, almost we are one. Almost, almost we are one. She aims her weapon again. And I shake with horror as I see the paling namestone strapped to it. Her weapon drains our life energy. They are wasting crystals to power their terrible song. I feel I will burst in fury and pain, but instead I pull strength from the ground. I cry out and lash with my sting, impaling the soft skin as she writhes like a worm. I grasp the weapon and crush it with a claw. It crumbles to dust leaving only the sky-white namestone. I hold the crystal in my mouth, where it will be safe. 
I am here, we are one. I curl my stinger and she falls. Do not return. Do not take our name stones. We are not yours. We are all. We belong only to the deep dark. I leave her alive, and she runs. She lives not with my mercy, but because I know she has heard my dream song, and she has no choice but to sing. Holy crap. That was really hard. But I really like that song. A bunches. Bunches and bunches. Whew. Good gravy. Well, I hope I rocked it this episode. And you don't hate me for all my terrible uh, puns, you know. Uh... Thanks again for listening, for checking out Stories of Runeterra. I really appreciate it. This is kind of just a personal project for fun. Uh, see if I can do anything with a podcast. Uh, you know, you never know. I really love League of Legends. Finishing up college right now, and so I don't get to play as much as I'd like, but I'm really enjoying Legends of Runeterra. I'm almost a bronze in that because I'm grinding so hard. Um, but again, I appreciate you all for dropping by, taking some time to listen. This particular episode was really long, but I'm okay with that because it's got some really awesome stories. So next week, I would like to know what two champions you want me to do. So hit me up on Instagram or here on anchor.fm or shoot me a message on Twitter, tag me, whatever. Reach out, give me a vote for what you guys think uh, which should be the next champions we should do. And we'll get them done. We've got 130 whatever to get done. That's over a year of content. So, I mean, that doesn't count all the short stories that aren't directly tied to a character. It doesn't include regions. I would really love to see where this could go. Uh, again, some of my inspiration from this was Necrit. And I am reading all of these stories off of the... Um, League of Legends universe. So check that out. It's got a lot of really awesome, cool stuff. And hopefully the audio quality is a little bit better on this episode. And I'm going to be doing everything I can to slowly keep improving the quality of this podcast. Thanks again, Summoner. And we'll catch you next week on Stories of Terra. <laughs>